We would like to say a special thank you to Chris and Jen Nelson for sponsoring this week's episode. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. It's Easter Sunday, and this week, we're talking about the event the Christian faith is centered on, Jesus' death and resurrection. In this week's conversation, Lars Olson points out that each gospel has slight variations of the resurrection story, but there's one certainty that rings true through them all. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. From the women who discover the empty tomb to the disciples who can't believe it, they, like us today, think it's utter nonsense for someone to rise from the dead. Dead people stay dead. But as you'll hear in this conversation, we have a new certainty in life. Jesus is alive, and he's giving you new life. Let's get to this week's conversation. But first, here's Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, They told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But those words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Lars Olson here for this Easter Sunday text. Thanks for being here, Lars. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're in the uh, 24th chapter of Luke, Lars, and and maybe just before we begin uh, with this text, uh, maybe we can say something about uh, Holy Week, uh, its direction towards the cross or or its importance uh, towards Easter Sunday, at least uh, maybe in the preaching of Easter Sunday. Yeah, if... If you just have Easter Sunday and you miss Holy Week, it's surprising how many people can't uh, make it to worship on Holy Week, but then they go from perhaps Palm Sunday one Sunday, and then they show back up on Easter Sunday, and you jump from celebration to celebration, and you might even miss that 
uh, in the week inter- in between that, that Jesus was actually killed, uh, betrayed, and handed over to sinners. And so when you come and read a text like you will on Sunday, Easter Sunday morning, you might be wondering, what is this talking about even as it's as uh, he's dead and in a tomb? Well, because I feel like this, I mean, everyone has heard Luke 24. Everyone has heard what we, what Mason just read. And so in, at least in some context, some version of it. And so I feel that when people are listening to it on Sunday, it's really easy to be like, kind of glaze over it a little bit and be like, oh, yep. Plus it gives the watered down version. It just says they found the body. They came to the tomb. He had resurrected. It doesn't tell you the the harsh realities of what happened. Right. I think people all know that he died, but you miss the, the actual crucifixion and the judgment that comes and all the betrayals and, and political wranglings that, that Jesus is entangled with in order to bring about uh, his death. Um, I want to take up one thing you said there. People know the story of Easter pretty well, but they almost have a conglomeration of all the Easter stories in their mind, that somebody came to the tomb, that there was something happening there, there were some clothes, perhaps maybe an earthquake, maybe, but there's a conglomeration of all the stories, and they're actually very distinct. There's a lot of discrepancy in the, in the gospel accounts of Easter, except for the one main point, which is that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. There's, they're all consistent about that. Who saw him first or when they happened or who said what are, are kind of varied throughout the, the gospel text. And you want to stay focused that, that all of them say Jesus is risen from the dead, not Jesus might be, we don't know where he is, but that he was in the tomb. They saw him die and now he is alive. And just zooming out, that right there is the main point. We were talking before we started recording how pastors sometimes feel the need to make this more complicated than it really is, but you do need to just focus on saying what the text is saying here, that Jesus was resurrected. Yeah, it's almost like it's too easy, and so it can't be that easy for us, right? (laughs) It is. It's like gift wrap handed to you that Jesus is risen from the dead. This is Easter Sunday. This is why we celebrate. This is the the heart of the Christian faith. And all of a sudden, we see Mm -hmm. the the choir singing, and we see the the children running around, and we're excited for the Easter brunch that's coming up, and the the congregations, the the, the pews are fuller than they usually are, and so we start to feel all this pressure, and we start to think, oh, it's got to be something else. Got to be something else. I'm not going to say that. Um, or we say that on the sly and it becomes kind of a side message rather than getting right at the heart of things. One of the temptations that I see is that uh, you, you, uh, a preacher might want to chastise the congregation that, that's, that has shown up on Easter Sunday to say things like, well, I haven't seen you guys very much since Christmas. Uh, <laughs> you guys show up about twice a year. Uh, you know, you should be with us more often rather than saying, this is why you're here. This is what you need to hear today, yeah. that Jesus is risen from the dead. It's not the chastising that's going to make the pews filled for the next uh, six months until Christmas comes along. It is pe- grabbing people with that good news that Jesus is alive after death. So at least uh, in this text, we talked, I mean, we talked generally about the resurrection, but uh, these are specific stories with uh, some interesting things happen. First verse of this uh, account but on the first day of the week, they, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, uh, taking the spices that they had prepared. If there's no context uh, with this, who's they? Uh, whose tomb? <laughs> Why spices? <laughs> right, good. So you have to back up to uh, Luke 23 in order to get the context, just about a, a paragraph or two before that. This is right after Jesus was killed, and a man named Joseph 
uh, took the body and put it in a tomb that he had for him. And the women had prepared spices. These are burial spices because um, as death happens, uh, the decay process begins and the stench of death just seems to go all over the place. And so they, pr- they provide spices and, and perfumes to cover that in the tomb to keep the, the smell away. Because, of course, um, we'd want death as far away from us as possible. And to smell it is to have it really close by. And so we cover that up in order to uh, bury the smell to pretend that death is uh, far away from us as possible. And so here now that happened uh, after Jesus uh, crucifixion, they took him off the cross and moved him to the, to the tomb. And then they rested on the Sabbath, it says at the end of Luke 23. Uh, so they took the day off. And now uh, after the Sabbath, here they come, the, the sunrise, they're starting their work again, and they're coming now to finish the job um, that they had started uh, a couple of days earlier. So it's been roughly 24, 48 hours since he officially had died. So this would be the third day. So they killed him. That was mm-hmm. the first day. They put him in the tomb. The second day, they rested on the Sabbath. And then the third day, he is a, he is a, uh, alive, arisen. So then continuing, it says they found the stone rolled away. I find this really funny because they kind of breeze through it. How big's the stone here? <laughs> uh, well, the, well, the stone. You, you haven't studied this? They make it this? seem like it's a pebble. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like something just, just kind of brushed up against it. Oh, there it goes aside. the stone. No, this, is, this would be a fairly large stone that you could uh, put uh, into, a, that would cover a hole that a person could fit into, right? We usually see these as big, huge, round mm-hmm. uh, um um, stones that kind of roll back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's they, they probably didn't spend uh, all of their effort to carve a perfect circle that would just roll back but it's and forth. Big, but it's going right? to be big enough to cover a hole big enough to put a person in. Is this, I mean, this might be a really simple question, but maybe you don't know. But is, is this how typical I not know of the, the time? A simple question. Yeah. Is this typical I mean, of the time though? Is, or like, is every hillside have a bunch of tombs dug into the side of it with like, I mean, I'm assuming people are dying all the time. So you got to bury them somewhere. And here we have cemeteries or graveyards, but like is a tomb typical of this time? Well, this tomb probably is not a typical tomb because Joseph uh, had it ready. Uh, he probably was saving this for somebody, probably a man of, of means that had a, had a special tomb that was already dug and ready to go. Um, other people might die and be thrown out kind of with the, with the trash heap, right? They, they, even today, there's, there's elaborate funerals and then there's simple funerals, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, even in cemeteries, you'll have places where they have big elaborate headstones for the people who can afford them. And then, you know, the, the uh, right. Popper's Hill or something like this where mm-hmm. people can't afford to be buried in the, so that the city takes care of that. Okay. So then they didn't find the body in there. The tomb was rolled away. They didn't find the body with the, in there, and then it says they were perplexed about it as well. Right. The, in, in, the, in the text that we're reading in, from the NRSV, it leaves out that these words, and I want to pick up on those, that it says they did not find the body, uh, and then that it leaves out uh, of the Lord Jesus. Uh, there's some... There's some textual problems in the, in the Greek text, so I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody here, but that's kind of an important phrase that doesn't start before this point before the resurrection, but it, it picks up throughout the rest of, of Luke and into Acts now that something about Jesus being resurrected me, makes him the Lord Jesus, not just 
that guy, Jesus, that was been walking around. Uh, it's there's some sh- shift that's going on there that is being picked up on there. Yeah, but the they, women are there, and they don't they don't find the body, and that's confusing to them. They're perplexed by this, right? They uh, they're saying, mm-hmm. how how could this be? What's going on with that? Well, I mean, <laughs> they come to the tomb. They they take spices. They expect that there's going to be a dead, smelly body there. I mean, we get the context clues. I mean, this is so common to us, but if you actually read it line by line, they expect to find a dead body here. So it is perplexing when there's not one. Right. What could have happened to him? Mm-hmm. Uh, could he have been stolen? Mm-hmm. Well, that was probably, that would be the first thing gone through my mind. Right. I would never be like, oh, he got up and left. Right. No, because <laughs> He's by definition, dead people don't rise. Don't move, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they don't go anywhere. And so mm-hmm. bodies are just left, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but these uh, women are obviously perplexed by it. So they're starting to scratch their heads uh, and wonder, uh, what exactly is this about? Yeah, and, and, and probably those same thoughts too. Was he stolen? Uh, did an animal get to him? Did uh, Did he just... Uh, disappear, <laughs> like go through the wall, or, uh, or, or did, the did we imagine this, did whole, we imagine thing, this right? whole thing? Right. Yeah, uh, until finally uh, they actually have not a moment of kind of revelation, but revelations just brought to them. Suddenly, two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them, and the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the to the ground. But the men said to him, "Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen." Yeah, the two men in dazzling clothes um, are are interesting because that's exactly what was described at the transfiguration as Jesus was making his turn uh, to come to Jerusalem in order to say, as he's telling his disciples there um, in the middle of the Gospel of Luke, um, that I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, died, and then rise again on the third day. And those, uh, there was two men there on the on the mountain with him at the transfiguration, which were Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. We've gone through all this. But here, two men show up again. They don't get anything to say. Uh, they don't have much to, to offer, right? They just say, uh, here, you are looking for, um, you are looking for him amongst the dead. Why? He's alive. Go out there. He's not here among, uh, among the tombs any longer. And in doing so, their dazzling clothes, their uh, their booming voice, whatever this was, terrifies them. So they move from being perplexed to being uh, terrified, uh, um, gripped by fear. Um, that uh, that it's moved from just wonderment to like, oh no, we're in big big trouble here. Prior to to the the men actually saying something when they first come, mm-hmm. they're, right? They're terrified. Can you right. explain? Is there any significance to them to it? the text saying that they bowed their faces to the ground after they were terrified? Well, just like um, for when Peter comes and says, here is an experience of, of the heavens, right? Here is God showing up to me. Here is the revealing of God's will and mercy, whatever that is. He falls on his face and says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man, right? That's a, it's an act of worship and bowing down. Isn't just saying, I'm giving you honor and respect. It's uh, have mercy on me. This is terrifying me. I am in, in deep. Uh, my life is being threatened at this point. So, that's what the terror is, is this, this bright, shining, booming uh, experience that they can't make sense of that's saying this is not what we had exper- expected when we came here. Okay, and then it continues in verse 6, and it says, 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty significant. That's a really big deal because that's exactly what Jesus has been telling his disciples throughout the, the, throughout the gospel, right? That I'm going to be going to Jerusalem. I'm going to uh, be crucified. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And every time he talks about his crucifixion, everybody ignores it or actually fights against it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They, they, Save yourself or uh, you don't have to do this. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's not going to go that way. Yeah. Uh, get behind <laughs> me, Satan, is what he tells Peter when, yeah. when Peter jumps into this, right? That uh, this is going to happen. That's what Jesus has been saying. But all the disciples hear in that is, uh, what do we have to do to stop it? As if it was a choice. As if it was a choice or as if they could do anything about it or as if Jesus was asking them to change the future in some fashion, right? Uh, this is going to happen if you guys keep on the same path you're going. Or this is going to happen unless you start acting better. Uh, but that's not Jesus' point at all. Jesus is telling them all this time, this is what's going to happen. From their mind, that is a uh, like a judgment upon the world, which of course it is. Mm-hmm. But in Jesus' mind, this is a promise of what's to come because he's the only one who, from the very beginning, could actually see that death and resurrection were what he's come to bring to the world. Everybody else is saying, no, 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 we're going to keep you alive. We're going to make you powerful. And he's saying, that is not what I've come for. Uh, which goes back to what the, the, the men in the dazzling clothes are after. Uh, the women have come there that morning to see the dead. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. The new has begun. His promise is now enacted. Even though they couldn't believe it, even though they couldn't abide this, even though they're going to feel that guilt now uh, of, of his death, mm-hmm. he has come in order to free them from this, to free them even from the fear and the perplexingness uh, that, they, that they feel. It is new information. I mean, why do you look for the living among the dead? He, he's not here, but he has risen. I mean, they came expecting the dead and he's alive. And so they're, and then they're told, remember. Yeah. So it's as if they were supposed to already have known that he was going to be alive. Right. So the, the words there are pointing them back. Remember what he told you. Remember what he had said. So that if you take this in one fashion, they're being pointed back to what Jesus had said before, right? Uh, remember that he told you this. They're, they're being told that, um, that Jesus was making this promise from long ago, but they hear it as like a prediction instead of a promise, right? Mm-hmm. That he's just telling them some future thing uh, that might come by. But now here it is. And to remember now is not to uh, remember that he said this once upon a time, mm-hmm. but if you look the, onto verse eight, they remembered his words, which brings his promise now, not as a prediction from the past that they're now experiencing, but that his promise comes to them in the present, that it moves from something they had to remember that, that, you know, that their first grade teacher told them long ago to something that is important right now, today. It's that he was crucified. Yes. But remember what he said, that he will be, that he will be risen from the dead so that the new is beginning And it. So that in those, in that movement in the text, it moves from being just prediction, mm-hmm. what Jesus said once long ago, 
that might come true to the promise that they can actually hold on to, that he is risen from the dead, just like he promises to do for all time, even today. That's really interesting now that we've taken some time to just focus on those three lines, that why do you look for the living among the dead? They came to try to see his dead body, but they're told, remember what he told you. And after they're preached to, suddenly they remembered his, his promise. Right. So it is, it's a sermon within the sermon text. It's a sermon directly about Jesus, right? Uh, that what he told you is true and he is alive right now. And you can tell, you said important to them, and you can tell it's important to them because in verse 9, it says that immediately from there, they went and they told the 11 and uh, about everything. Yeah, they ran off to tell him that uh, they had seen this, that Jesus is risen from the dead, um, that that's what they were told at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go and they tell the 11 because there's there's one disciple missing, Uh likely Judas. They don't say exactly that, but he's uh, the one who's feeling the guilt the most, mm-hmm. um, along with Peter and the rest of them who had betrayed him, which is, which is what, what they said, that the Son of Man must be handed over. That, that word actually is, is, should be betrayed there. He was betrayed by sinners, by his own disciples. That's, a, that's not just kind of like a you know prison guards handing him over and, and moving him from here to there. That's the disciples um, having the action to do it within yes. themselves. And yeah. Yes. Actually yeah, it just, like, it didn't just up. happen to Jesus. It was, they acti- actively yeah. did it. They I was going to say they weren't the passive in this. Yeah. They couldn't just point to the next guy and say, uh, yeah. I was just told to do this. Well, they could have said, but the thing they wouldn't have said, Jesus told me yeah. I was going to do this. Yeah. But instead uh-huh. they're always, they're always saying, not me, yeah. not me. It's going to yeah. be somebody else. Yeah. What um, idiots. And now, Jesus is risen, and the the question, we don't get an answer to this in here, is, you know, he's on the loose. He's not buried in the tomb. He's not buried by their spices. The smell of death is now uh, being released out into the world, and uh, the question really is, is what's going to happen with him? What What is Jesus going to do when he's out on the loose beyond death? What does this mean? What does this mean for the world? Exactly. And so they hear this and they, they go and they run and they, they tell the disciples this, uh, but the disciples all think this was just nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it Again, says, they don't believe. <laughs> they don't believe. Uh, Jesus told them it was going to happen and before the crucifixion. And now after the crucifixion, all of the women are going and telling them that it did happen and they're still not believing it. Right. And uh, it says idle tale in our uh, in our in our translation, but you know utter nonsense is really how that is uh, trans should be translated. Like the the disciples heard this and thought that's gobbledygook. These ladies are crazy, right? Uh, there's no way that could be anything because that speaks to just how strongly uh, death has a grip on our world. Dead people stay dead. There's that there isn't more absolute certainty than that. And here comes Jesus undermining the, uh, the certainties of the world mm-hmm. to make sure that the certainty of the world is that he is resurrected. It is true that our, the people in our congregations and in our pews are feeling the same way. Uh, they might have gotten used to saying, yeah, yeah, Easter comes around all the time. Um, but mm-hmm. you have to, uh, in a sermon, come back to the point that this is 
utter nonsense to the world. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that dead people, dead person, that Jesus would be raised from the dead and actually come and find you in order to give you new life. Yeah. And, and, and the message of the gospel is that Christ has risen and he's still living today. Right. Not just merely as an idle tale or uh, utter nonsense, but this is true right now. Right. But that's the point of Easter. That's the point of the Easter proclamation. That's why it's so important that you get this Sunday exactly right in the simplicity of the message. Because uh, without that word being given, um, resurrection is utter nonsense to the world. But by the word of Christ and by the truth that comes by the Holy Spirit, so there we, we come to believe that he actually is risen from the dead beyond our fears and doubts, beyond all the nonsense that the world, uh, the world tries to peddle upon us. Finally, Peter comes back to the, uh, comes back and he actually, it, it seems like he doesn't quite believe, uh, <laughs> right? But he goes anyway. It's almost like he's got this little uh, wonderment. Yeah, he's curious. It's a curiosity, yeah. right? It, it might be nonsense, but he's going to go look. And he looks in and also finds that the, there is nothing left in the tomb except the linen cloths. Just as Jesus has escaped the tomb, so he has left all the things of death behind. Uh, that is the, the linen cloths, that's the tomb, uh, that's the burial spices that they came in the morning to bring to him. That is the entire old world. The old creation is now nothing left behind. And now he is out on the loose with new life for the world. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson for teaching us that in our life, we believe we have one certainty, death. We can understand why the disciples thought that the news that Jesus wasn't in the tomb was utter nonsense. Dead people stay dead. But now, we have an even greater certainty in this life. Jesus is alive, and he came to give you new life today. If you found yourself wondering about a certain term or concept we discussed on Scripture First, we have dozens and dozens of free resources on our website to help you learn about Lutheranism and the freeing gospel of Jesus Christ saving us from our sins. We have videos and study guides from everything from the distinction between the law and the gospel to the meaning of baptism, to breaking down Luther's key teachings, such as the bound will and the freedom of a Christian. Go to lutherhouseofstudy.org to learn more. Luther House of Study's mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's S-S-T-E-N-S-O-N at A-U-G-I-E dot E-D-U. You can find our email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember... Jesus is alive. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.